With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool center. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, good evening everyone. Welcome to Drive with Peter Vlahos. Thanks to Hayes and Mardo. The run home returns uh, tomorrow between 3 and 5. Uh, Brad Shepard in for Damien Martin tomorrow. Good show actually, fellas. Well done. A uh, big show coming up uh, tonight. We're going to also revisit a big story that was put on the uh, table by Kim Hagdorn, the man that joins me on a Monday night regarding St Kilda and those two players in Paddy Ryder and Brad Hill. Uh, today, St Kilda on the back end of what Kim Hagdorn had to say have rejected the claims that uh, Ryder and Hill were dropped last week due to an altercation at a bar in Mordialic. Uh, we certainly stand firm on certainly the comments that were made on this program yesterday. Brett Ratt in front of uh, the media today to explain some uh, reasons why certainly those two players, as reported last night, weren't stood down. The reason that they didn't play against Sydney on the weekend because Paddy Ryder, when the team was announced, was managed and Brad Hill was not playing because of personal reasons. We're going to replay what Kim Hagdorn did say on this program last night and also give you an idea and some audio on what Brett Ratton had to say today from St Kilda. But it has been confirmed that the players were at that hotel in Mordialic. There was an exchange. We're not saying it was amongst the players, but uh, reportedly it got a bit feisty involving the players that we've mentioned before they and others vacated the premises. But we'll come back to that in a moment. Very shortly, we'll speak to Robert Wiley, the coach of the West Coast Eagles waffle side, because Nick Natanui was outstanding last week and is ready to take on Richmond this week. Before we go to Nick Natanui and Robert Wiley, just some breaking news. Tom Stewart, the Geelong defender, has just finished his tribunal sitting and has been given a four-week suspension. So Tom Stewart, four-week suspension for his, uh, well, his significant bump when he went past the ball and, and took out uh, Dion Prestia of Richmond. So he's out for four weeks. And the other big news today is that Lockie Neal from the Brisbane Lions, a former Fremantle Dockers midfielder, has just penned another three-year deal That'll keep him at the Brisbane Lions until the end of his career. So he will be there until the end of the 2026 season. So Lockie Neal, a further three-year deal. He was due to come out of contract at the end of next season being 2023. Another three years takes him to 2026. And Tom Stewart has been given a sanction by the AFL Tribunal of four weeks for his bump on Dion Prestia that left the Richmond veteran concussed. A couple of the big stories just breaking late this afternoon. Okay, let's go back to Nick Natanui, who fronted the press today. And firstly, here are his comments on possibly facing Richmond at the MCG this week. Yeah, I think so. I think that's on the back of the boys' minds still. Um, you know, they, they beat us pretty convincing, like you said, here at home. So um, it's, a, it's a whole new-look team as well. I think that team that ran out against Richmond 
you know, a lot of the boys hadn't played in, in that game that are going to play this weekend. So um, in saying that, we, we know they're going really well. They always do start playing a lot of their best footy this time of year as well, leading into finals. So uh, it's a tough challenge going over there to, to get a win at the G. Um, you know, we've only had a couple of wins this year. So it's one we really, you know, really need to win and, you know, set us up for, I guess, looking into next year as well. And here he is saying uh, jumping from the waffle last week to potentially the AFL this week. Yeah, I am. So uh, it's actually fun to be out there playing waffle on the weekend and uh, get the boys their first win for the year. It's been a long year for, I guess, the whole footy club. So to have a win on the Friday night and then Saturday night, um, oh, it was a good little stepping stone for this weekend. I think what we've, the process we've gone through the last few weeks has um, put me in good stead to play um, my normal minutes in the AFL. So, yeah, for, for us, it was more about getting minutes in the waffle. Um, and then get into the AFL from there. I think in the past we've tried to manage a lot of guys at once in the AFL side um, and it hasn't really worked. So I think it's a good little, I guess, process coming through the waffle, managing there and then playing a normal game when you get to AFL level. So there you go, Nick Natnui on making the supposed transition from the uh, WAFL up to the AFL. He also uh, made a comment on the return to form and how he sees uh, Elliot Yo going forward. Yeah, Yo is getting finding some of his form again, and he's oh, back to the Elliot Yo that we all know. He's that powerful beast, and oh, I love having him on ball. And I know the the talk has been around building him back up to play in the midfield, but oh, I really like the look he gives us off half back. I, I don't know what Simo and that are saying. They're probably wanting to play a blender both, but oh, just his run and drive and using the footy, he's, he's a fearless competitor. So. Um, whether I get him on ball, it's probably a selfish thing. I want him in there, but I think that the look he gives us of half back is something different and something, you know, he's been really good at in the past. So I think he's won an All-Australian at half back. So um, it's a perfect fit for him as well. OK, Elliot Yo, uh, spoken by Nick Natanui. His thoughts on the, the veteran, of course, also Nick, who did the press conference today talking about the fun that he had returning to football and playing with the Eagles in the WAFL last week and helping the WAFL Eagles to record their first win of the season against the highly fancied South Fremantle. Joining us is the coach of uh, the Eagles waffle side in Robert Wiley. Rob, thanks for joining us. Congratulations. Uh, thanks, Pete. Yes, it's... Uh, football in the last month, is, uh, we've been about the place and uh, it was great to get the four points and... As you said, South Fremantle are a very good side. We needed to be at our best, and uh, luckily enough, they were. Yeah, you beat them quite convincingly in the end. But Nick Natanui just said in the press conference today, it was fun down there. And no doubt that's a very important commodity when you're playing at that level. In fact, when you're playing at any level. Oh, no doubt, Pete. Um, you know, I suppose, you know, my my role is to make sure that, you know, it's a good environment, it's a competitive environment. But, you know... I like the AFL boys to come back and just be, you know, who they are and, and make sure that they're enjoying the footy. Now, it's harder when you're not winning to enjoy your footy. So, um, you know, it was nice to, to turn that around. But, you know, it, they're under enormous pressure, the AFL boys. And uh, you know, sometimes it's nice to get back and, you know, have a little bit of freedom. So, uh, yeah, and Nick was outstanding here. You know, he's approach when he laid that tackle in the first few minutes I thought well he's on and uh, I think everyone around him thought that was also the case so uh, yeah he was out he's an outstanding person and uh, and he just loves the footy club and he was so wrapped he could help uh, in the victory to get four points. Yeah that was so important in the scheme of things wasn't it uh, Rob uh, with Nick Natanui a big name a big character and no doubt people went down there just to see Nick but the fact that he got involved so early 
it meant that he was serious about it. He wanted to play to the best of his capabilities. He wasn't there for a Sunday afternoon stroll. And he probably um, brought the level of the intensity of the other players up with him as well. Oh, no doubt about that, uh, Pete. He he certainly set some great standards. Um, he's impacted. And I think West Coast uh, at the AFL level, you know, he's a very hard person to replace. And since their win against Collingwood in round four, I think, for memory, um, you know, we've got a couple of good up-and-coming up young ruckmen, but there's nothing like experience and the impact that he can have on a game. So, um, you know, his attitude and all the other AFL boys' attitude when they come down to the waffles has been fantastic. But, you know, it's, um, it's important. it was a great weekend for the club. Uh, you know, we've been through a lot and we've had, obviously, a lot of been documented about our injuries and then COVID. But um, hopefully, you know, we're through the worst of that and the weekend was a start of, of both levels being able to play some good, consistent football. Just one final question before we leave Nick Natanui and go on to... Uh the team and how it's performed and certainly going forward after this week's uh, WAFL bye. Uh, was it a predetermined how many minutes he was going to play Robbie or was it a case of just seeing how the game was progressing? No, look, you know, the sports science guys do an amazing job um, and they certainly had their hands full this year, Pete, but uh, every player that's coming back off injury, they'll have a predetermined uh, amount of time. Um, the good thing, with what happened with Nick was that he was able to do that over the four quarters. And I think, um, you know, in past we've been, you know, sort of their minutes have sort of uh, been up, and unfortunately, you know, we've had to, uh, you know, pull them from from the, the rotation. But uh, Nick was able to do his minutes over four quarters, and uh, it was fantastic. And and we needed to because South was certainly uh, coming at us, and uh, we needed all everyone on board and every bit of experience uh, to get across uh, across the line. And also another real big tick for the West Coast Eagles football club in general was the uh, performance of defender Harry Edwards. He put his hand up for senior selection. That's an amazing, an equal competition record of 23 marks. Yeah, Oscar Allen got into him earlier in the week saying he dropped a chess mark so he could have got the record, <laughs> but uh, he, uh, he was outstanding. He, he just looked so big and confident and strong and, you know, sort of... Yeah, the whole defensive unit worked really well. And, you know, I mean, South, uh, you know, they're a pretty high-scoring side. So they needed to, to work together. But Harry was the uh, the roadblock. He, he certainly uh, took some great marks and and used the ball well. So, and that's what, you know, that's what we really need at the waffle level, Pete. When everyone's coming back and healthy and we've got some good numbers, you know, they need to play at the intensity required to be able to step up and be confident that when they do get a recall, that they're ready to go. Mm. And I think, uh, you know, there was a number of boys that showed that on, on the weekend. Let's talk about first-year key forward Jack Williams. Uh, tell us more. He kicked three goals last week, and he could be a, a very handy player as he matures into uh, Waffle and maybe one day AFL footy. Oh, there's no doubt in my mind he'll be a, a very good AFL footballer. Um, he's just a very competitive beast, Peter. He's uh, he's had a huge job this year, but coming out of Colts and playing at senior footy, and, you know, I've got to say, our waffle competition is a very strong competition, and there are a lot of great players out there. And, um, you know, unfortunately, with the way we've gone about it, we've found that Jack's been the only tall up there amongst all the small forwards. So... There's extra responsibility placed on him week in and week out. But, um, you know, he's, uh, he's understanding and learning the work rate that's required. 
you just have to look at uh, you know the the one up in up in the league side and JK how his work ethic is and that's what's required at that level. So he's really learning his craft in that area, but he's an outstanding kick for goal and uh, you know he only needs to get it in his hands you know five or six times and he can kick three or four goals. So. Um, yeah, he's just uh, developing week in and week out and, and learning, you know, what it, what's required. And uh, I think down the track, uh, West Coast, uh, people are going to be very happy with Jack Williams. Mm. Tell us how Jai Cully's coming on, uh, the mid-season uh, draft pickup for the West Coast Eagles. Uh, how's he going? I think he had about 14 disposals last week. Look, it's his third game, Pete, against men. Uh, you know, he's coming out of the uh, under-18s comp in Victoria. So it was a bit of an eye-opener for, for Jai when he had his first encounter against Claremont three weeks ago. And um, uh, look, you know, I, I've said to people that the young man really impresses me because behind the scenes, he's working very hard in all aspects of his game. He actually reminded me of Chris Judd when he first came to West Coast, that he was just crazy about doing extras and improving his kicking and his touch. And I see the same traits in Jai. So um, good size, left footer makes really good decisions by hand and foot. Um, and I think he's got the ability to be able to go forward and kick goals. So, um, yeah, he's been really impressive. And although he only had 14 possessions on Saturday against South, a lot comes from his possessions, Pete. So, again, with Jack Williams, you know, he's a player of the future. There's no doubt about that in my mind. So, exciting times. Uh, you've got the bye this week. And, of course, then the uh, really run home to the end of the season. Firstly, how are you handling the bye? And uh, the second part of the question, what do you hope to get out of the second part of the season? Oh, we need to get a lot. We need, you know, to be able to build on um, the victory and and our last month of football. Um, You know, that helps when, you know, you have a few AFL players that, um, you know, are finding some form and fitness. So, uh, like always, Pete, we, you know, go in every game to be really competitive and to win the game of football. So, um, you know, that, that certainly will be, won't change in the second half. Um, I think it's just important that we keep building. Uh, there's a lot of young boys uh, in, in the club at the moment, and we need to make sure that they learn and know how to win. Um, that's really important. Um, and the waffle competition provides that because week in and week out, you're playing against good sides. And um, so I'm looking forward to, to the second half and the way we build uh, through that second half. And luckily enough, I'm going to see Australia play England for the bye. Uh, Pete, oh, you're going to the rugby, are you? Looking forward to that up. Yeah, I like the rugby union, so I'm looking forward to that, and hopefully Australia can uh, have a victory there. Yeah, good stuff. And, of course, uh, when you return from the bye, I'm looking forward to this game, actually. You're taking on East Perth, who went into the bye with a very convincing win against Claremont on the weekend. So that should be a good test as well. In fact, it's on Saturday, Mineral Resources Park, uh, round 12, getting underway at 10 minutes past two, so it should be a beauty. And, by the way, Robbie, you would have been interested. They had the 1972 50-year Premiership reunion, the Royals, on Saturday. So Brownie and Ken McCauley, they're all back there at Leadville Oval. And I reckon they might have inspired um, the East Perth League side to cause that upset over Claremont. And they wore the actual 1972 East Perth jumper as it was back all those 50 years ago. So it was a, it was a great day. Yeah. 
they're outstanding, and I'm sure they they definitely would have had an impact. And you know, you, you just love to go back in history and be able to remember, you know, the, the, those people that have created the, the club. So hopefully they played their good game, and they might just uh, go easy <laughs> for us in, in a couple. Of and weeks. let me tell you, Brownie hasn't changed as well over the 50 years. <laughs> uh, he was uh, he was hilarious. Outstanding uh, man, and I was lucky enough to be coached by Malcolm. So. Uh, uh, a lot of fond mem- memories with Mel. Good on you, mate. Well done. Congratulations. Uh, you are a very astute football brain, and you can see the general progression and the improvement with the West Coast Eagles waffle sign. That was a great win against uh, South Fremantle. Thanks for your time, Robbie. We'll Thanks. chat again soon. Thanks, Pete. Any- any time, mate. Thank you very much. Good on you. Uh, Robert Wiley joining us here on the program. We're going to preview also. Robbie's coming to the big first test between Australia and England. The Wallabies against the English on Saturday night gets underway at 10 to 6. Mick Collis is our rugby expert. Uh, we're going to have a chat to him a bit later on in the hour. By the way, SEN's coverage, and you heard Pat Cummings in with Hayes and Marta. That was great. Live from Gaul in Sri Lanka. Well, SEN's coverage of the Sri Lanka versus Australia Test Series starts tomorrow. From uh, midday our time, live on SEN Fanatic and the SEN app. With SEN Networks to join across the day, join Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon, Russell Arnold and many others uh, as the team bring you every ball of the series from Gaul. It's thanks to Henley Holmes delivering affordability. So that happens uh, from midday tomorrow. Our time, Australia versus Sri Lanka, day one of the first test there in Gaul. We're going to take a break, come back with the story that we flagged on the program last night that has had St Kilda in a bit of damage control today to the point that Brett Ratton came out at a press conference to try and put to bed what was mentioned on this program last night. Don't go away. That's coming up next. 17 past five on Drive with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yeah, great to have your company on this uh, Tuesday night. Let's go back. As I mentioned, uh, St Kilda today have rejected claims that stars Paddy Ryder and Bradley Hill were dropped last week due to an altercation at a bar in Melbourne South. Now, the club did confirm today that a trio of players, Ryder, Hill and a third unnamed teammate, were involved in a bit of a verbal exchange and disagreement with fellow patrons uh, Saturday after the Round 14 loss to Essendon. Uh, So that has been confirmed by St Kilda. This is what Kim Hagdorn said on this program last night, the drive show with Peter Vlahos. When we saw the teams last Thursday, I I was astounded that St Kilda, who are on a bit of a slide, had left out Paddy Ryder for Mm. management. So that immediately sent alarm bells ringing through me. Personal reasons, it could be anything with anybody. And and Brad Hill said personal reasons. But not willing to accept that Paddy Ryder has been rested where St Kilda had dropped their previous two games out of their bye to, to Brisbane and Essendon. And their loss to Essendon was deplorable. They were horrible, St Kilda. Totally unforgivable. You cannot accept how badly they played that night. And Paddy Ryder was managed mm. to play against Sydney with Tom Hickey coming back, I thought, no, no, you're kidding. Something's not right here. So just happened to speak to one or two of the right people to find out that they were dropped. They were disciplined for brawling. Patrick Ryder and Brad Hill disciplined. Disciplined by St Kilda, involved in a pub fight the week before, and 
they were left out of that game. They had to be disciplined. So, and I think this is a growing story. I think there are other people far more uh, capable than I, Peter, around mm. the country that are onto this. So I think we might find out for sure in the next day or two. Okay, that was last night. Uh, now, St Kilda have come out to say that it was a verbal exchange and disagreement with fellow patrons and the players left the venue without a fight ensuring. Now, this is what Brett Ratton said today. He had to come out on the back end of what was mentioned here on SENWA yesterday. Here's the St Kilda coach. The the boys went to a hotel, um, had a few beers, um, a few words were said, and they left. So that's, yeah, that's what happened. Yep. It does, it does make me think there's not much out there to take a story of somebody said something, people left, and next minute we've got these players and putting them in hot water over violence and that. It, it's so far from the truth. And I, I feel for Paddy and I feel for Hilly um, to have to actually put up with it. And I think we're, we really haven't got the full knowledge and we're jumping at shadows and hearsay without actually getting the evidence. And I think, you know... We, we need to make sure we put this out because it's not good for people. Um, Bradley had personal issues that he has to deal with um, and we need to respect that. And Paddy Ryder was managed because he's 34 years of age and he might have to get managed again before the end of the year to get through. He's had a hamstring and Achilles um, and it was in our plan. So, yeah, it is actually pretty disappointing that um, this has been inflamed and... Um, yeah, anyway, what can you say? All you can say, really, is we support the players, we know what happened, and, yeah, move on. Oh, please. Uh, and that's what we do. We jump out of media out of the purse. Look, where did the incident happen? Did anyone chase up any evidence? Anyway, we don't want to get into that. It's, um, yeah, it is really disappointing, though. If they're getting home at five in the morning, there'd be an issue. But, no, they weren't. They weren't out to that late, so... No, that's eight-day break. They're allowed to. The players work so hard, and the opportunity to enjoy themselves at times is, is critical. We need the balance of life. And like anything, um, there needs to be a balance on how much they have to drink as well and things like that. But eight-day turnaround, when can you get a better situation to go out? And the incident's got nothing to do with Brad missing the game? Nothing, yep. nothing. It's all personal reasons, and I'm not going to share them with anybody. Yep. Uh, that's for Brad, and he's working through that, and we respect... Um, yeah, his situation, what he's doing. So, and we'll support him 100%. We've had a chat. Um, he's got a lot of support around him. He knows what what happened. So, that's a good part. Uh, you know, I suppose like anyone, probably understanding why people make it up and why is it allowed to be put out there. So, anyway, um, he's going okay. It wasn't made up. It was confirmed that they were there. It was confirmed that they and Brett Ratton has said they were at a pub in Mordialic. That was reported on this program last night and there was a witness who actually sent us a text that said he was there as well, okay? So it eventuated. Now, the big thing that I stand in defence of Kim Hagdorn is the players can tell Brett Ratton whatever they ever like. They could say this transpired. The only thing that you haven't confirmed is whether they were stood down for the game last week. Now, Brett Ratton says they weren't, okay? For us, we're on the imp- under the impression that it may have had something to do with that. But in the end, he said the players had spoken to him. Who knows what the players have told the coach? Who knows whether the whole story has been 
unveiled to St Kilda. There is a lot of cryptic clues given by footballers, by football clubs. We don't hear the truth all the time. There are white lies flying around left, right and centre to protect themselves. So let's not get silly here, is that there was something that transpired. We got it. The only thing that St Kilda didn't confirm today is the fact were they stood down from the game last week against Sydney. And we don't know what Brad Hill's personal problems are. We don't know. And the St Kilda Football Club aren't prepared to tell us. So we'll have to wait and see what transpires this week, okay? But I know Paddy Ryder went on uh, social media, again, defending himself. It wasn't a fight amongst the St Kilda players. There was something said quite damning to one of the players for St Kilda. And the others took offence to what was said and certainly a verbal exchange and a bit of pushing and shoving ensured. And then the players quickly left knowing that this could really blow up. Anyway, that's what has developed today. We stand by what was mentioned here on the program. The only thing that we have yet to confirm, because it hasn't come from the club, whether they were stood down because of that uh, reason last week. According to Brett Ratton, it wasn't the reason. But how are we to know? We're going to take a break, come back with more in a moment. You're listening to Drive with Peter Vlahos. It's all thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. You can always get the right tool from the start, of course, locally owned and operated. Some breaking news regarding a big Manchester United are coming here to Perth, as we know, next month. They're going to play in the Festival of Football. They're taking on Aston Villa. And one of their former stars could be lining up in the A-League. I'll tell you more next. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Coming up uh, 27 to 6, uh, driving you home on this uh, Tuesday. Just uh, repeating the uh, big news regarding uh, Tom Stewart, the uh, star Geelong defender. He's been given uh, four weeks suspension for that uh, heavy bump that left uh, Dion Prestia concussed in the game at the weekend, Geelong against Richmond. So Tom Stewart has got four weeks. And Lockie Neal, the former Dockers midfielder, signed a three-year deal on top of uh, still a year to run. That is uh, 2023 uh, at the Brisbane Lions, which will take him through to 2026 now. Now, the A-League is, of course, in the off-season, but uh, the clubs are out there trying to assign players. There's news that the Brisbane Raw have signed former Queen's Park Rangers. Uh, he also played at Southampton and Burnley striker in Charlie Austin. He looks like maybe playing for the Brisbane Raw next season. We know that Manchester United are coming to Perth next month. They're taking on Aston Villa in the Winter Festival of Football. And there's news that uh, a player, Portuguese star, who played nearly 150 games with Manchester United and has represented his country uh, many, many times, is about to maybe don the navy blue of the Melbourne victory, a story that's developing. Tom Williams from Kick360 and Scouters Football, he's a soccer writer, joins us on the program now. Thanks for your time, Tom. G'day, Peter. No worries. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, we hear that Nani who, as we mentioned, played at Manchester United and last season, I think he's still contracted to Venezia in Serie A in Italy, maybe heading down under. What can you tell us? Correct. 
So uh, it's an interesting situation because, as you said, Nani is still contracted with Venezia, but he actually, um, his side, Venezia, they got relegated into Serie B in Italy last season. So um, to my understanding, Victory will not be paying a transfer fee to the Italian club. It seems that he'll be released from his contract with Venezia and uh, he's very close to um, signing with Melbourne Victory. The parties are very, very close to securing an agreement on a marquee deal for next season. As I mentioned, Charlie Austin is going to the Brisbane Raw. For those people that may remember Nani, he, every time he scored a goal, he used to actually uh, do a somersault. And in <laughs> Portuguese, I think they uh, called it the, the leap of death. And I, I think there was always a story when so Alex Ferguson was in charge of Manchester United. He banned Nani from those celebrations, uh, fearing for his very own safety. Was that correct? Yeah, I think that's absolutely correct. Yeah, so, so saying that, you're quietly confident that the negotiations are very advanced and he could be announced as a Melbourne Victory player before not too long. Correct. That's what I'd expect to happen. The, the parties are very close, as I said. But um, what is interesting in this situation is sort of what effect it will have on the A-Leagues as a whole and on Melbourne Victory, because as you'd be aware, the A-Leagues have been suffering from dwindling attendances in the past couple of years. And I think someone like Nani, who is really sort of known in the mainstream from his time at Manchester United, could be a very, very big player for um, for injecting some enthusiasm back into the league after a couple of really difficult mm. seasons. So this could be quite a significant signing, Tom, in your eyes. I think so. I think it's one of the biggest signings that we've ever had in the A-League. We, we saw the effect of Alessandro Del Piero when he went to Sydney FC. Even last season, as um, I'm very cognizant that I'm speaking to Perth listeners here, so they'll be very well aware of Daniel Sturridge playing <laughs> at Perth Glory last season. Mm. Um, and obviously that time, his, his tenure in Perth probably didn't turn out as expected. But ultimately, there's credence to the idea that having these well-known players can draw people to the A-League. Like, Daniel Sturridge managed to basically, by himself, uh, pack out HBF Park for Perth's first home game last season. And the effect that these names can have on the A-League and really injecting that extra enthusiasm into the league, I think, um, is is quite a large effect. Good on you, Tom. Breaking the story, you thought we'd get you on for a couple of minutes to give us uh, the latest. We appreciate that, mate, and we look forward to it uh, materialising in coming days. Thanks for your time. Cheers, Peter. Always a pleasure. Tom Williams from Kick360 and Scouters Football Soccer Rider there with the news that Nani looks like he's about to sign and be announced as the marquee signing for the Melbourne victory in the forthcoming A-League season. As we mentioned, Charlie Austin has already signed for Brisbane Raw. We'll take a break. We'll look at the big event happening here on Saturday night next here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yeah, great to have you coming. Not forgetting SEN's coverage of the Sri Lanka versus Australia Test Series starts tomorrow from midday live on SEN Fanatic and the SEN app with the SEN networks to join across the day. Uh, Let's have a look at the big match. 10 to 6, it starts on Saturday. It is the first test in the Rugby World Cup Series. It is Australia against England. Mick Collis, our rugby expert, joins us. Good evening, Mick. How are you? Thanks for joining us on the program. 
Oh, Pete, always happy to talk rugby to you. You know that. Yeah, and I know you're excited about uh, Saturday. I know the World Cup's still, what, 15 months away. So how will the Wallabies in England be taking this three-test series starting in Perth on Saturday? Well, yeah, as you said, the World Cup, is that's the, that's the prize that everyone wants. But there's so much pride between these two countries. You've got Eddie Jones as the coach of the England side, and he was the former Wallabies coach. The Wallabies sacked him. He went to England and had an enormous amount of success over there. And Eddie has never lost to the Wallabies as the England coach. The last time they came out was in 2016. It was three tests. It was a whitewash to England. So there's a truckload of feeling. So all these teams, World Cup aside, these teams want to win this three-match series. So it's all about the chocolates that are on the line for these next three games. So how would the coach of the Wallabies, Dave Rennie, tackle this? Do you think he's likely to maybe uh, uh, shy away from taking any gambles in the preparation for the World Cup, and in particular these three tests? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because So there's a guy called Tom Banks who's a fullback for the Brumbies. A lot of people think he'll probably start on the weekend. He he has already announced that he's leaving Australian rugby and will be going to play in Japan. So normally, if you're a player that says you're leaving Australian rugby, they don't really consider you. But, but, but the fact that he's in contention for that, that number 15 jersey, it shows just how much they are just isolating and focusing on this game. If they get some development out of it, great. They've got a lot of young guys in the camp. They've picked an Australian A game, an A2 that are playing in a, in a separate competition to try and build some depth. But this, this series is all about the current, and they will pick the best players at their disposal to try and beat Eddie Jones and beat England. So where are the Wallabies' issues going into the first of these three tests? So where are maybe some deficiencies that Rennie needs to maybe get on top of before the World Cup? Yeah, the front row, definitely. There's a guy called Taniela Tupo, uh, who some of the listeners might have heard of. He's, he's a human wrecking ball, and he's probably one of the biggest names in world rugby. If he went overseas, he could command well over a million dollars a year. So he's, he's a fantastic young player, but he's got a calf injury that kept him out of the back end of Super Rugby. He plays for the Queensland Reds, and, and they don't think that it'll be right for this test. So that the fact that he's out, that throws a whole lot of issues into the front row because there was another one, Harry Holmes got... Um, injured as well so there's they've had to go to their depth in the front row and that's the one place where England they just love scrummaging so they've got a, a, a lot of very very good front rows Australia's depth is lacking yes that that's going to be a real concern for Australia there's a young guy called Angus Bell he's only probably 21 a New South Wales guy he has played test rugby before but again he's only you know he's only 21 they reckon props don't sort of reach their peak till till their late 20s so we've got a very young side so I reckon that the scrum is certainly going to be uh, an issue. And then also the number 10, we've got two real old stalwarts in James O'Connor and Quade Cooper, who've been around for a long time. A young kid, Noah Lolasiu, who who was in the mix but didn't play really well at, at test match level when he first came in. So again, that depth at our number 10, we are really relying on these old stages. Cooper's been playing in Japan, not even playing in Australia. So I think that... If we get an injury to one of those guys there, that could create a whole lot of problems as well. Otherwise, we're pretty we're in a pretty good position. Mm. But there's just that that front row and that that number ten, um, Quade Cooper. We saw came back last year and played against the Springboks. Came out of the wilderness, kicked the goal to win, and everyone thought he was a hero. Then he didn't go on the spring tour, but he's been parachuted back in. 
to the Australian side. So, yeah, that, that number 10, that'll be a real uh, interesting one as well. Of course, there's the absence of locks, uh, Isaac Rodder and also Rory Arnold. So we look like having a new locking pair. So how do you view that component of the matchup? Yeah, good. And, and again, that's a position where Australia, for some reason, at the moment, we've got a lot of depth uh, in that. There's Nick Frost, Darcy Swain, a couple of young guys from the Bumbies are very, very good. Just, but, but again, the, the inexperience that they'll bring. So there's a guy playing for England called um, Maro Otoji, and he'd be the, the best uh, lock in world rugby at the moment. So you're going to put some very young guys up against one of the best guys in the world. And, and you know, having guys like Rodder, who's very well experienced, him being out, it just does make it hard for some of these young guys to, to step up. But look, they're, they're great players, and, and I'm sure they will. But again, just that experience at test match level, it's different to Super Rugby, and experience is something you do only get by playing test matches. So that's another thing I think where England will have that little bit of an edge on us on the weekend. So pound for pound, where do these two nations sit, and how do you preview it? Are we expecting a close one? You wouldn't be surprised if the Wallabies take out the first test, or do you think England at a stage would start favourites? Look, it's a really tough one to call because... Because it's the first test, you don't know. It's always a lot easier to call after the, after you've seen a game. You can kind of see who they've got, the way they're playing. So coming in on this for this first test match against such an old foe, there's going to be so much emotion around it. One advantage the English have got, they had, they've picked... Um, so the Australian players get picked out of our Super Rugby Championship and, and our guys haven't played for well, probably... They're beginning close to a month, I suppose, now, whereas England have picked their guys out of the English Premiership and Saracen played the Leicester Tigers, I think it was last weekend, and they had 12, they've picked 12 guys from those teams in this England tour. So I think the, the English guys, they've got a bit more rugby under their belt. So I, I think that that might give them the edge, the fact that they are a little bit more match-hardened and, and they haven't had that big break from their rugby. So... But look, I don't know, you know, and, and it's going to be a cracking game, Pete. It really is. I reckon it's too tough to call at the moment. Um, look, my, my heart obviously said the Wallabies because we are at home. On the world rankings, England's fifth, we're sixth at the moment. So there's not a lot between us on the table. But oh, look, Eddie, Eddie Jones is such a, a cunning, conniving little man. And, and he'll be doing, he'll, he'll play whatever game. And he, he studies the game better than anyone. And he'll know the Australian players very well. Dave, Dave Rennie will do his homework as well, but I just think Eddie just might be that little bit smarter in the way that he'll approach this game, and, and he, he might just get the English home uh, in Perth here on Saturday. I hope I'm wrong, but I just think England might get it. He's a great story, Eddie Jones. Well, born in Tasmania, I think the Japanese-American mother, an Aussie father, and here he is in charge of England. He's gone back basically about eight years, so... He's had a longevity as uh, the head coach of the England rugby outfit, which commands a lot of respect, a lot of pressure if things aren't going well. Oh, yeah. Like the scrutiny on, on Eddie Jones in England would be like, you know, the scrutiny on, on you know, an Eagles or a Dockers coach here times about 10 because it's the whole country sort of watching what he does. And, and when he first came in, he had some great results. But then because he, he drives players so hard, there's a bit of a wear-out factor with Eddie Jones, so he, he, he finds he's got, to, he's got to rotate players through because they, they almost get burnt out because he's just so demanding. So it will all depend. I do understand they've got a good mix of experience and, and youth coming through. So you've got the guys that are enthusiastic and they haven't been burnt by Eddie, and you've got a couple of guys that are probably getting towards the end of thinking, oh, I can't take much more of this pressure. But I think the accommodations they've got, they've also got their injury problems as well. They've had to leave a lot of people at home, but... 
look, I think that the combination they would have brought, that they will allow for that that Eddie Jones intensity factor. And um, but look, yeah, he he's certainly under pressure. As you said, he's been at the helm for a long time. World Cup coming up next year. They won't get rid of him before then, but they will want to be going in. They want to start winning now because you, you want to take. You want to take victory into a World Cup. You don't want to be coming in, scratching around it. And, in, and both sides are starting to look for some combinations. We talked that they want to win this one, but I know that the last World Cup, Australia just kept chopping and changing its lineup, and it came back to bite us by the time the World Cup came around. So they do want to start trying to get some, some combinations, especially if we've got some young guys, get them in there, give them a chance, let them make some mistakes, but have the confidence to know that they're not going to be dropped for the next game. So that balancing act is certainly going to be underpinning this game on the weekend. And saying that, as we leave you, the opposition coach, Dave Rennie from Australia, I think he's been there now. This is maybe his third year. As we know, he had a lot of success at the Chiefs in, in Super Rugby. Is he coming on nicely? And do you think he could have the longevity? Because it's been certainly a, a position that's uh, had a lot of scrutiny here in Australia. Do you think Rennie could stay there for as many years as maybe Eddie Jones, if all things go to plan and the build continues. Yeah, look, I think if you win, you can write your own cheque and you can write your own contract. It all comes down to winning it. And he hasn't had the greatest of records in terms of his Australian coaching record. He's, as you mentioned, very good in New Zealand, but he hasn't really done very well with the Wallabies. So if, if, they, can, if they can win this series, that'll be certainly a first step in winning back the, the confidence of the public as well. And the interest, you know, we, we all know, you know, I mean, every fan likes to be to back a winner. And if, if rugby is in a situation now where the Wallabies, they need to win games to try and get those, you know, the rusted on fans are going to stay, but you, you fly by night kind of sports fans that will, you know, we, we've all jumped on the, uh, the Matildas because they, they're playing so well apart from the other night. So if the Wallabies, if the Wallabies win, you sort of you start drawing sports fans in as they were during that golden period in the 1990s. And Australian rugby know that they need to win back the support of the wider population in Australia. So it, it does start now for rugby and for Dave Rennie. They need to win this series and they need to go well on the spring tour and then take that momentum into the World Cup next year. OK, and as we let you go, I know you're very close to the Western Force. Are you excited about their off-season signing so far? Yeah, I am. And um, look, I think Simon Cron is great. He's got a fantastic record. Um, Tim Sampson, obviously a, a tremendous bloke, but he didn't he didn't really get the wins that they needed. Um, Simon Cron, look, by all reports, we, we had a chat to him on a, on a podcast, the Rugby Wrap, that I look after to, during the weeks. And he's, he's just very positive. He's very uh, intense. He's very driven. And, and he, he, he knows how to win, and that's what the Western Force need to do. They've signed a couple of good guys. So Falau Fainga, who's in the running to be the hooker uh, on the weekend, they've signed him, and we've already got Faleti Kaitu. So we've, we've got two Wallaby uh, hookers that'll be chasing that starting spot in the Western Force. So that's a good sign already that we've got international depth trying to get one position. So it's not like you just turn up and you're going to get a start in the run-on side for the Western Force. So I think what he's doing is very good. They've signed a couple of um, young guys. Uh, Jackson Pugh, who's a local kid, plays for Palmyra. He's just been named in the Australia A team as well. So he's, he's re-signed. Um, we've got Rodder, uh, Tim Anstey's just re-signed from the Australian Sevens program, also in the Australia A program. So, look, I think at the moment it's, it's, it's good. There's still a few spots they need to announce, and um, everyone's waiting with bated breath to see those names. But he needs a couple of big names, and again, in those key positions, um, we've got a young kid, Rashad Pasatella, again, a Perth kid who is playing number 10. 
Uh, he, he needs some support around him because he's only young. So I'd, I'll be interested to see who else they announce. But the way it is at the moment, Pete, it's looking it's looking pretty positive for the Western Force for season 2023. Yeah, love talking rugby with you, Mickey. Thanks for joining us, mate. I know uh, you're really looking forward to Saturday. Gets underway, I think, 10 to 6 uh, is the match yeah. uh, Australia against England. Enjoy it. I know you're involved in commentary. Uh, call the Wallabies home, mate. Thanks, Pete. Yep, go the Wallabies. Mick Collis there just uh, wrapping up what is certainly a big week when it comes to rugby. We had rugby league last week with the state of origin and wasn't that a spectacle uh, on Sunday. And here we are now. We've got the Wallabies against the arch enemy England in uh, Rugby International, 10 to 6 on a Saturday night. And there you go, the early preview with our rugby man here on Drive with Peter Vlahos, Mickey Collis. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope you enjoyed the program as well. I'll be back again tomorrow from 5. All thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. This has been Drive with Peter Vlahos. Thanks to Jimmy and Bray. Catch it.